Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is set for one episode. Your host from Columbus, Ohio, is Michael Kirk. Welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast. Hello and welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast, your digital audio dirt sheet for all things Super Show. The big story for this week, Marktoberfest 3. Let me run down the events of Marktoberfest 3. I was there. I'll give you what happened as best I can. The first thing before any of the tournaments or other organized play thing kicked off was the Midwest Coast Championship was on the line. The champion walking into Marktoberfest 3, the trash man, faced off against Four Leaf Flynn. Four Leaf Flynn has been gone for a while. He comes back in a big way in this high profile match. I did not get to see most of the match. It was the trash man playing as the trash man versus Four Leaf Flynn playing as Four Leaf Flynn. No stipulation as far as I know. At crowd meter one, four leaf Flynn takes the belt. He is the new Midwest Coast champion. Congratulations to him. With that, the create a competitor tournament, the centerpiece of Marktoberfest 3, kicks off. Six Swiss rounds. Everyone with a record of four and two makes the top cut. A top cut of 16, everyone else eliminated. Let me give you what happened in the first round of the top cut, and I'll go through each round, giving you the players, the competitors, the stipulations where necessary, and the match results. In match order, the first match of the top 16, Candyman Dan playing as Candyman Dan, Versus Brad Iyer playing as El Superombre. I don't have the stipulation here. It was a very short match at crowd meter zero. Candyman Dan takes it. He moves on to the quarterfinals. Next up, James Booker playing as Macho Manny versus The Roach as Danny Limelight. This match was a Liger's Den match. In the top cut, there were four possible match types. Liger's Den matches, steel cage matches, steel chain matches, and standard non-stipulation matches. These were chosen randomly by the general manager, John Clace, who was running the event. With, and I'll mention her now, you know, special honorable mention to Mallory the Destroyer, who helped with the signups for this event and ended up pretty much running the tag team event that will take place later in the day. We'll get to that. That's toward the end of the day's uh, activities. Next match in the top 16, Eric Goodhart playing as the second version of Mr. Snap versus Big Match Pete playing as Jay White. This is a steel chain match. It goes to crowd meter three. The winner... Eric Goodhart. Then we have Bob Dunn playing as Copycat, a new competitor released, I believe, in payoff packs only 
at Marktoberfest 3 playing against the fireball Scott Winterbauer who was using Okada. This was a steel chain match that made it up to crowd meter 3 with Bob Dunn taking the victory moving on to the quarterfinals. Next we have the director of operations Dave Marisak playing as his favorite competitor, the man from IT, facing off against Chris Randolph, who I believe is the mouth of Southeast Michigan. I could be wrong there. Playing as RVD. They played in the Liger's Den match, which went to crowd meter three. Dave Marisak taking the victory. Then we have Colin Brewer, the Lumberjack, as Ricochet, versus Dangerous Dylan Bias, playing as Johnny Gargano. In a steel cage match that doesn't make it past the first crowd meter, crowd meter zero, the Lumberjack takes it. We have the big guy playing as Little Guido, taking on Mr. Moneymaker as Tyler Chaos, the two members of Big Money squaring off in a standard match with the big guy taking it and moving on to the quarterfinals at crowd meter one. The final match of the top 16, Hold the Line Harry playing as Mila Mai versus Colin Simon playing as Jigsaw. This was a steel cage match that went to crowd meter one. Colin Simon taking it and moving on to the quarterfinals. That is our top eight. In the top eight, the quarterfinals. And again, the same four possible match types in this round and all the rounds going forward. Chosen randomly, we have in the first match, the Director of Operations versus Candyman Dan in a Liger's Den match with Mr. Marisak taking the victory at Crowd Mirror Zero. We have Eric Goodhart taking on Bob Dunn in a Steel Cage match with Eric Goodhart taking the victory at Crowd Mirror One, a very intense match. A match where at the end of the match, Eric Goodhart has one card in hand. Bob Dunn has three cards in hand. He had a hand size of three due to the gimmick of Mr. Snap version two. Two cards in deck. One of the cards, a finish that could not be stopped. The brain had to make the choice. Does he play the finish knowing that if Eric Goodhart breaks out, based on what we knew about the cards, Eric Goodhart had the card in hand was a follow-up. Eric Goodhart wins, or does he try to win every turn roll from that point going forward, which I believe ended up being about four turn rolls, give or take. He would have to win in a row to win the match that way. In the end, he decides to play the finish, which I think is the right call, but it was definitely a decision that, Bob then agonized over. I believe he rolls a nine on the finish roll. Eric Goodhart breaks out and therefore wins the match by escaping the cage through the special finish. And he moves on to the semifinals, joining Dave Marisak. Then we have the Lumberjack, Colin Brewer, taking on James Booker in a Liger's Den match with Booker taking it at crowd meter one. And finally, Colin Simon versus the big guy in a standard match. Colin Simon winning at crowd meter one. That brings us to the semifinals. 
In the semifinals, we have Dave Marisak, the director of operations, versus Erica Goodhart. And James Booker versus Colin Simon. Both of these matches, through random selection, end up being Liger's Den matches. The first match goes to Crowdmeter 3. And the director of operations advances. The second match goes to Crowdmeter 1. Colin Simon advances. That sets up a final of Dave Marisak versus Colin Simon. This match does not go very long. It is resolved at Crowdmeter 0 with the director of operations taking the victory. He is the Marktoberfest 3 Create a Competitor Tournament winner. Dave Marisak coming off of a great showing at Origins, making the finals of the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament there, wins the Marktoberfest 3 Create a Competitor Tournament. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to all the players who had great runs in this tournament. Now let's talk about some of the other big championship matches that happened at Marktoberfest 3. I'll start with the Underworld Championship match. Bob Dunn, the Underworld Champion, with Robert the Brain Dunn, took on the challenger, James Booker, using AJ Styles. This was a very contentious match. In the end, at Crowdmeter 1, Bob Dunn successfully defends the belt. He is still the LFF Underworld Champion. Congratulations to him. Next, let's talk about the LFF Tornado Tag Team Championship. The stipulation going into this match was this. Hold the Line Harry and Brad Iyer had to finish their match that they started in the Tornado Tag Team Tournament at Origins. That tournament, as I reported earlier, did not conclude Sunday at Origins on the final day. Those two men remain, as well as Sean Loeb. Alec Ventresca, in my opinion, should still be in the mix, but he decided to drop. So Sean Loeb is going to face the winner of this match in that tournament, and they will have to defeat him twice because he is undefeated, and it is a double elimination tournament to be the winner of the Origins Tornado Tag Team Tournament. So, get back, getting back to what we were talking about. Holdline Harry and Brad Iyer had to finish that match at Marktoberfest 3. If Holdline Harry won, he would get a shot at the Tornado Tag Team Championship. If he lost, Brad Iyer got to choose his opponent at Marktoberfest 3. Hold the line Harry was playing as the line. Brad Iyer was playing as D2, the former singles competitor who was promoted into tag team. I believe it's D2 and the ring master or the ring leader. I think it's the ring leader, D2 and the ring leader. But they have their match, and Hold the Line Harry wins. So he gets a match against Brad Iyer for the Tornado Tag Team Championship. This match took place quite a bit later in the day. There were a few championship matches that happened before it, but I'm going to skip those to go on to the Tornado Tag Team Championship results. Brad Iyer, playing as the Tiki Twins, the champion with the Tiki Twins, faces Holdline Harry using the line, the team that got him the shot. 
This was a long match. I learned some things in this match I wasn't aware of. I did not realize that they had put Narada on Tiki Twins to make his gimmick only function during the Tiki Twins turn. That was new. I had not known that until now. This match was quite a long match taking place very late in the day. I know I believe James Booker posted in the SRG Super Show discussion group on Facebook about this match was critical of the length of this match. It was a very long match. In the end, at Crowdmere 2, hold the line of hair, he hits his finish. Now, in this match, from the belt, Brad Iyer had given himself a 22 as his top skill. So, as long as the finish roll was 22 or less, Brad Iyer always had a shot to break out. Hold the line of hair, at Crowdmere 2, it's a finish. Rolls a 24. That's it. He becomes the new LFF Tornado Tag Team Champion. I believe this is his second time being champion, so he joins Bob Dunn as a two-time, and I believe Chris Paid as well, as a two-time Tornado Tag Team Champion. Now let's get back to the other tournaments that happened throughout the day. First, we had a defense of the Intergalactic Championship. The champion coming into Marktoberfest 3, Funtime Bob, the challenger, the mouth of Southeast Michigan, Chris Randolph. With the Intergalactic Championship, unlike other belts, you are playing the man, not the competitor. The champion can switch competitors every time. And then at the conclusion of that match, the competitor that the Champion used and the competitor that the challenger used are both absorbed by the belt and no longer able to be used in matches for the championship. Funtime Bob in this match decided to use Johnny Gargano. Chris Randolph used his own competitor, the mouth of Southeast Michigan. The match goes to Crowdmeter 1, the winner, still champion, Funtime Bob. After this, there are two. Somewhat impromptu championship matches. I believe they wanted to have champions defend twice or have two championship matches for both the Intergalactic and Midwest Coast. And I believe Deep Six as well, although that one did not happen. I believe just due to time. So the Midwest Coast Championship defended before Marktoberfest 3 is defended a second time. The champion for Lee Flynn is put in the ring against Yasmin. From talking to the general managers of the Midwest Coast Championship that were there, in particular Dave Marisak, the decision was made to give her the shot based off her performance at Gen Con. I understand that she is getting the Cookies Fortune shot off her performance at Gen Con as well. So that's up to you to decide if winning one tournament should get you shots at multiple championships. Should get you rewards for multiple things. Or if just the cookies fortune should have been enough. But she gets a shot at the Midwest Coast Championship. She plays as herself, Forley Flynn. Of course, the champion with Forley Flynn. They face off, no stipulation. At crowd meter zero, Forley Flynn retains. He's still the Midwest Coast Champion. The other impromptu championship match that happens 
I'm Oktoberfest 3 is the intergalactic champion, Funtime Bob, decides to give Colin Simon a shot at the belt due to Colin Simon's performance in the Creative Competitor Tournament that day. So they square off. Funtime Bob using Kenta. Colin Simon using his own competitor, Colin the Chrononaut. No stipulation. At crowd meter one, Colin Simon wins. He's the new intergalactic champion. Finally, the final championship match of the weekend, the deep six champion, the six-stop champion, Ken Fouché, playing as King Hyena, takes on Bobby Ohio. Bobby, mother-loving Ohio, the one you love to know, playing as D3. For those of you not familiar with D3, D3 is a competitor where you have to have three cards in play in order to hit a finish card against D3. That's D3's gimmick. Bobby Ohio takes advantage of this, plays a lot of cards that remove cards that your opponent has in play, making it very difficult for your opponent to be able to hit a finish. It goes to crowd meter one. Bobby Ohio hits a finish. That at crowd meter one bumps the crowd meter, so it makes the crowd meter two, and then rolls his printed nine skill, which, because of the bump in crowd meter from the finish, takes that from a nine to an eleven and wins. Bobby Ohio is the new deep six champion. Now, up till this point, the deep six championship has only been defended in person. I believe Steve Reska says going forward, it can be defended online as well. Will that happen? When will that happen? We'll have to see. But right now, Bobby Ohio is the new Deep Six champion. With this victory, this means that of the five championships on the line at Marktoberfest 3, the LFF Underworld Championship, the LFF Tornado Tag Team Championship, the Intergalactic Championship, the Deep Six Championship, and the Midwest Coast Championship. Four of those saw the championship change hands. Only Bob Dunn successfully defended. Colin Simon, Bobby Ohio, Forley Flynn, and Hold Line Harry walk out as new champions. Those were the big championship matches for Marktoberfest 3. Let's talk about the rest of the events for Saturday and then what also happened on Sunday. There was one other big event, which was a tag team tournament. 14 teams signed up. Only 12 ended up playing in the tournament. There were a couple drops. I don't have a lot of results for this tournament. It was a single elimination tournament. And... I'm not sure how strict the bracket was. From what I understand as well, you could change competitor and cards in your deck between every match so you weren't stuck playing the same competitor and same deck all the way through. The finalists ended up being the team of the general manager, John Calais, playing a snake pit in the finals, and Pat Mulligan playing as Master Dosmodius in the finals. Versus Candyman Dan playing his Fortress in the finals and 
Jim Bias playing as Amazing Red in the finals. There's controversy here because Candyman Dan was in the tournament, I believe partnered with Bob Dunn, and they were eliminated. So after being eliminated, Candyman Dan signs up with Jim Bias, claiming to be Kurt Polka, and gets back in and makes it up to the finals. I understand that this is for fun. I also understand how people could look at this and say, this is unfair. What's the point of a single elimination tournament if after you get eliminated, you can just pick a new partner and jump back in? Why this was allowed, I don't know. But it was. And the team of Candyman Dan and Jim Bias end up winning the whole thing. So at Crowdmere 3, they take the match. They take the tournament. Do with that what you will. That is the result. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to all of the winners. I don't think I've mentioned that for a while. Congratulations to all of the winners. The last thing from Saturday that I'll mention were the draft pods. If you wanted to, the general manager had a limited number. I think it was six. He could run six pods. He brought off materials to run six. The way these pods worked, our four players signed up. $10 each. You were given randomly four competitors and then you had to draft your 1 through 30 deck the general manager laid out 30 piles of four each pile was a number so you had four number ones four number twos four number threes so on and so forth face down the finishes could be from any competitor but they were viable for the purposes of this pod draft system with any competitor. So if I had El Super Ombre, I could draft and play a snake pit finish, for example. It was a snake draft, so it went one, two, three, four, four, three, two, one in the order. And when one player drafted from a pile, so let's say I got the first pick, I pick up pile number 30. First off, when I pick up the piles, they're all face down, so I don't know what's in the pile, so I commit to draft to that number. Then once I pick what I want, put the others back, the next person that can pick can go to that 30 pile or can go to any other number. You are not committed to keep drafting from that pile like you would in a lot of other drafts. The drafting took, from what I understood, quite a while. And then I'm not sure if these were fatal four-way matches. I suspect they might have been. I didn't really get to watch any of these. I know that there was prizing for the top three. So if you were the first one out, you got nothing but your competitor and the cards you drafted. You did get to keep those. They ended up running four pods to my knowledge. The four pod winners were Mark Nealon, a.k.a. Brian Vanderweel, Chris Pate, the Cannoli, and Yasmin. I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that. If I'm not, I apologize. I'm just going from memory. I don't have that written down. I believe those were the four winners. That wraps up Saturday from Oktoberfest 3. Sunday, there was one tournament from what I saw posted. Registration at 11, start time 11.30. Not sure how much they held to that. It was a constructed tournament, so you brought your own competitors. And you just played your decks, single tournament. 
there were 18 players, four Swiss rounds, and then a top cut. I believe it was just four in the top cut. The four that made it were Neil Nealon as the Trash Man, Candy Man as Candy Man, Chris Pate as X-Royce, and Mallory the Destroyer as herself. Chris Pate beat Neil Nealon. And Mallory beat Candyman in the semifinals. These were both Liger's Den matches. The finals was a ring of fire, from what I've seen, with Chris Pate going over Mallory at Crowd Meter 1. That was the only event from Day 2. And that was Marktoberfest 3. Like always, it's a good time. People had a lot of fun hanging out, getting to spend time with each other seeing people they hadn't seen in quite a while. A lot of people said that the Saturday event, especially as it got later, would be very similar to Grand Gathering. And with my limited Grand Gathering experience, I would say they were right. So a lot of people had fun. I liked the late night format of it. I didn't get to play much pretty much when I finished up with the main tournament. That was it for me. But I know other people got to play quite a few games and they enjoyed themselves. Overall, I would say Marktoberfest 3 was a success. I don't know if I'd advertise it as a two-day. I think I might just say it's a one-day. And then, oh, by the way, there might be this after event. But I don't think I'd advertise people to stay. I'd say, hey, if you just happen to be in town, we're going to get together the next day and do some things. I'd keep it as a one-day event unless they really wanted to go all out with it. But overall, I liked Marktoberfest 3. I'm happy with it. I'm looking forward to the next WrestleMania event whenever that happens. And with that, that concludes our reporting on Marktoberfest 3. Let's talk about the Faction Wars 3. We have an update for Faction Wars 3. The general manager has released the format for how Phase 1 will go. Here are the matches that will be happening in Phase 1. We have skill matches. Each singles player will face off against the singles player whose competitor has the same printed 10 skill as they do. So, power player against the power player, the technique against technique, and so on and so forth. The Tornado player and the Trios player will also face off against each other in Phase 1. Again, Phase 1 is 16 teams, one team versus another team. We knew 12 of the teams that made it. We knew the matchups for 8 of those 12. The other 4 were determined by a random draw when the general manager did his special GM's Corner Twitch stream Thursday. The skill matches, which is what they're calling this portion of Phase 1, the skill matches will be best of three, one point per victory, no deductions for losses. So you can earn a maximum of two and a minimum of zero points for your team in this phase. There are special crowd meters in this phase. Singles will use the standard crowd meter, tornado tag matches. Instead of using the standard crowd meter at crowd meter 3, it's plus 4 to the finish roll. At crowd meter 4, it's plus 6. At crowd meter 5, it's plus 8. 
in trios, similar fashion, and crowd meter 3 it's plus 6, at 4 it's plus 9, and 5 it's plus 12. That's the singles match format in Phase 1. There's going to be a depth match in Phase 1. In this match, the lowest drafted singles competitor will face the lowest drafted singles competitor for the other team. So if you have two teams, one team drafted their last singles competitor in round five, the other team drafted the last in six, the players playing those will face off using those competitors in a match. These will all be ring of fire matches, one fall, two points for victory, no deductions for a loss. There's going to be a premium match. Same format except the highest draft. So if you drafted a singles in round one, your opponent drafted a singles in round two, those were the highest drafts you face off. You'll be facing off in a sticks, steps, and chairs match. This is a new stipulation that released this weekend as I'm recording this. One fall, two points for winning the match, no point deductions for a loss. The final match is going to be what they call a co-captain's match. Each captain will select one person on the team other than themselves to face off in this match. So Team A will pick one player, not the captain. Team B will pick a player, not the captain. They'll face each other. I don't believe they're going to know who they're facing in this match. It's a singles match, standard crowd meter, two of three falls, one point for each win, no deductions for a loss. Those are the four matches that will be taking place in Phase 1 of Factional Wars 3. As far as when the deadline to play these matches will be, as far as when you have to submit your deck list for these matches, none of that, as far as I know, has been announced or published. Just the types of matches that are going to be happening in Phase 1. That's going to be all I have for Faction Wars 3. 2021 CCC news. There are 28 entrants in the CCC. I know that Steve Resk said 27 on Talk of the Universe. I know that I saw 24 posted. I spoke with Pat Mulligan this weekend. There are 28 entrants in this year's Create a Competitor competition. There were a few that came in in the last hour before the deadline. Those have now been correctly counted. 28 competitors. The sketches are currently being worked on. When those are done, which I would estimate in the next couple weeks, then we'll see the matches start to happen. From what I understand, speaking with Pat Mulligan this weekend, it's going to be the same format for round one as it was last year, meaning each match in round one will be a fatal four-way match. They're more than likely going to be using the same voting system based on our conversation, meaning there will be a link to the voting website when the match goes live. You can vote for one of the competitors every hour for a 48-hour period. And then at the end, they will tally up the winner. That winner will move on to round two, meaning with 28 players, we'll have seven people 
win and move on, which, since I know they like to do 16, in the second round, there will be nine wild cards more than likely coming out of round one. So if you don't win your match, there's still going to be nine people getting in, which is kind of a strange situation that there will be more losers than winners in round two. Very kind of strange situation, but that's that's the CCC for you. It's a strange animal. Then I think just a couple of other odds and ends. Wednesday night after Talk of the Universe, James Booker faced off against Andrew Trebing, two out of three falls to determine the winner of the Cookies Fortune Tournament. James Booker was playing as Macho Manny. Andrew Trebing, I believe, was playing as Numero Uno. I apologize if I have that wrong. I'm going from memory here. The first fall was tables chosen by Andrew Trebing, which James Booker won. The second fall chosen by James Booker was Steel Cage, which James Booker also won. So James Booker joins Practicite, Jeremy Steigerwald, and Yasmin in the Cookies Fortune Triad Match. The winner of this triad match will be the recipient of the Cookies Fortune, which they can cash in for a shot at any championship they want at any time. The last thing I'm going to talk about before we get into events from this past week and then upcoming events is the December 11th New South Pro Wrestling event being run in conjunction with SRG Universe PAX Unplugged Weekend. Tickets for that event have gone on sale on Supershowthegame.com. The Winter Wars Rumble is scheduled to take place 7 p.m. bell time, December 11th, in Westville, New Jersey, which from what I understand is relatively close to the venue for PAX Unplugged, which I believe is the Philadelphia Convention Center. There are three levels of tickets. There's general admission tickets, $20 for those, where you can enter the venue at 6.30. That's the beginning of the entry for general admission. There are meet and greet tickets, which will allow you to enter the venue at 6 p.m., be part of a 6 p.m. meet and greet from 6 to 6.30, and then you have general admission seating. Finally, there's a VIP experience ticket, $50. You get a seat in the first or second row, you get to participate in the meet and greet, and you get a copy of the new New South Brawl Super Show set, which will feature wrestlers from New South Pro Wrestling. There are six wrestlers pictured on the box, from what I understand. All six are in the box. I don't know if this includes decks as well. I'm assuming the box set will also be available on sale. PAX Unplugged Weekend for those who are not going. The same way that some of the new releases from Oktoberfest 3 were on the website, I know there was a new Altart version of the face Mark Sylvia, which included a new grapple finish. There's a Dangerous Alliance competitor with a full set of finishes, previously only available with the strike finish. I saw Copycat released which is a new competitor from Bob Dunn. I did not see that on sale on the website. 
I know it wasn't some payoff packs. There's also the sign-up promos that you can get that were on the website. They released a sign-up promo that had, I believe, an Altart Beg for Mercy, a blank uh, competitor card where you had one of six random choices, El Super Ombre Snake Pit, Big Shot Rising Sun, Polly the Pigeon Bacone, and Sage the Wicked Witch. And then one of the three weapons finishes was in that set. Three weapons finishes released. The pineapple, the trash can, and the sledgehammer finishes all came out this weekend. With that, that's going to do it for all the news outside of the events from this past week. Let me run those down as quickly as possible because this is a bit of a longer show than usual. Just a lot to cover. Monday night, we had the Monday Night Proving Grounds. This was an event where you were accompanied to the ring by a competitor of your choice. Eight people played in the event. Dom Buchter played as Papa Wheelie, accompanied to the ring by Viral, meaning he got to use Viral's gimmick. Chris Pagillo played as Vic the Brick. I believe it's the flip Vic the Brick, accompanied to the ring by Joseph Ritchie. Kylan Buchter played as Bjorn the Norseman, accompanied to the ring by the Director of Operations, David Marisak. Justin Myers played as Numero Uno, accompanied to the ring by Combat Chris. Joel Williams played as Ra-Ra Perry, accompanied to the ring by Yasmin. Joe Sylvester played as Brian Cage, accompanied to the ring by Scarlett Graves. Brian Schmidt played as Danny Limelight, accompanied to the ring by the Phenomenal One. And finally, Brock Carson played as J.P. Warhorse, accompanied to the ring by Unicorn Princess. The top four of this event ended up being in fourth place, Don Buchter, in third place, Chris Pagillo, in second place, Kylan Buchter, and the winner, Justin Myers. Congratulations to him. The next Proving Ground event, next tournament, kicking off, Tomorrow, as I record this, Monday the 8th of November, as determined by Brian Waitford Schmidt, is going to be a tornado tag team event using the new sticks, stairs, and chairs stipulation that came out this weekend as well. Also available from what I know, supershowthegame.com. Other event from this week, a Thursday night event. Normally Chibi's Thursday Night Fights, but this week it was taken over by the Dread Pirate tech support, Simon Strauss, bringing the craziness he has on his Monday night events to Thursday. From what I understand, they followed the normal format of a Thursday night, group stages to a top cut, no stipulations in the group stage. In the top cut, it looks like there were three rounds. In the first round of the top cut, they did what they called Flaming Psychos matches. They used two stipulations, the Ring of Fire stipulation and the Psycho Circus stipulation. In the semifinal match, they used the Dark Cage stipulation, Steel Cage stipulation, coupled with the Dark Match stipulation. Dark Match, invented by Chris Pagillo. Spotlight cards are blank. Your discard pile is not public knowledge. Your opponent cannot look at it. 
The final match was a Ladders Unchained match, a ladder match combined with the Beast Unchained stipulation. The top four were Brian Sutton playing as Bjorn the Norseman, Jeremy Steigerwald playing as the second version of General Manager Don Clace, Hold the Line Harry playing as the man from IT, and Time Bomb Tim playing as Danny Limelight. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to all of the winners for this week. Let's talk about the matches that are coming up currently listed on Supershowthegame.com. There are two matches listed right now. The first is a Boss Roddy beatdown for the 19th of November, a week from this Friday. Friday night event starting at 7 p.m. $30 entrance fee gets you one of the brand new payoff packs as your sign-up bonus. If you've never played in a Boss Roddy beatdown before, it is a singles event. You play in a group of four, and then you move on to the top cut if you are one of the, I believe, top two. There are stipulations of the top cut. You get to swap your entrance card per each match. You have a pool of four to choose from. You can use one card in the pool once during the group stage and once during the top cut if you make the top cut. For more specifics on this event, check the listing, supershowthegame.com under online events. The other online event currently posted is an event from Prince Butters, Chris McMillan. This is an event sort of inspired by Survivor Series. It's called Super Survivor Show Series. It is a free event. The time on the event is 8 p.m. on November 27th, but that is not accurate. It's actually going to kick off today. It actually kicks off today. So I don't know if you can still sign up for it or, or not. You have from today, the 7th, until the 24th to play games. I believe you sign up with a team of five, and then players play, and there's eliminations. All the details are listed on supershowthegame.com. I'm not going to go into it in depth because it's quite a bit complicated. And again, I don't know if it's closed out because even though the event says the 27th, that's the finals. You have to get through the preliminary stages, which are live as I'm recording this. Other than that, that's all that's posted. We know there's been an announcement for the Monday Night Proving Ground. So if you're interested in that, look for that to get posted sometime Monday. There's almost always a Thursday Night Fights. I'd be on the lookout for that. And then, I believe, Friday... Saturday, there may something may pop up. You just have to keep checking. But definitely something Monday, almost certainly something Thursday. Dojo Tuesday nights, still going on, still happening. As far as live events go, I did report last week that there's going to be a live event at Alternate Universe's Blue Bell, November 20th, Super Show Unplugged, 2 p.m. Details for that are posted on the event section of the SRG Super Show Discussion Group. Check that out if you're interested and thinking about going. You do need to be in the, I believe it's the East Norton, Pennsylvania area. That's where the store is. 
with that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. I'd like to thank all of you for listening, and good day.